Well, listeners, for a lot of us growing up, Stripo are one of those bands that have always been there. After 40 years of continuous touring and continuous albums, they are finally returning back to Australia after a little pandemic got in the way there in the middle. But to talk a little bit about this new Striper tour to Australia, we thought that we would get the man himself, Michael Sweet, on the line. Welcome to the program, Michael. Hello, how are you? It's a pleasure to be with you, and thanks for talking to me. No problem at all. Now, Michael, so many people I know are so excited about this tour. How do you guys feel about coming back to Australia? You know, Australia holds a special place in our hearts. Uh, It's one of the first uh, countries that we toured, not just one show, but an actual tour throughout the country. And uh, going back to the late 80s, and we spent a lot of time there and, you know, things that happened there, like the incident uh, where we were, uh, you know, arrested, obviously not for real, but arrested. And it was all over the papers and uh, just really, really great memories there in Australia. And we'll never forget our Australian fans. They've always stood by us, always been so supportive, and they still stand by us today. So it's a, a pleasure and an honor to be able to come. I just wish we could come more often, you know, every few years, uh, but that's just not reality. Yeah. Now, a lot of our younger listeners are probably thinking, what was that incident in the 80s? Tell us a little bit about what actually happened then. Well, we went to do a a signing at a a record shop, and um, we expected, you know, a few hundred people. And we were being brought to the the shop by a, a limo. And when we turned the corner on the street where the shop was, there were literally, what appeared in my mind, what I recall, there were thousands of people. And, and I remember thinking, oh, it must be a parade or something going on. And it was actually our crowd for the, for the signing. And it, it made us realize, like, okay, this is a lot bigger than we thought. Uh, for whatever reason, our fan base in Australia is, is really on the large scale. And we pulled the car right down the road and parked right in the middle of all the people, which is a really dumb idea. And we tried to uh, get out of the vehicle and make our way. Uh, from the vehicle door to the front door of the shop, which was maybe about 20, 25 feet. And between that, uh, the door of the car, the door of the vi- of the venue, uh, our clothes were torn, our hair was pulled out, uh, we've got some scratches and abrasions, and it, it, it felt like the Beatles. Yep. And uh, it, it was just crazy. So we went in there. People were on the roof. People broke some glass trying to get in. And we had to basically have a paddy wagon come and pull up to the door. We jumped in the back of the paddy wagon, and they took us away to get us out of there for for safety reasons. Wow. (laughs) And And it it was wild. (laughs) And you had no idea that there were so many Australian fans before that. Was that the moment when you realized, wow, we are really big in Australia? We had no clue. We were just uh, four young kids, for the most part, you know, early 20s. And uh, we thought we were just going to be going to Australia and playing a local venue. And we might have a few hundred people, maybe a few 
few thousand people turn out. Uh, that would have been a real blessing and a surprise. And then we wound up going there and having these massive crowds turn out. And, you know, we played to thousands of people and it was all over the news. And uh, it just, it was mind blowing. It really was. Striper was quite popular in Australia. Still is yep. to, uh, to some degree. Uh, but, you know, back then it was just a whole different level. I was going to say, you have a still have a really, really strong fan base here, and what has actually increased over the years is that now that fan base is also multi-generational, do you notice that with your shows around the world now that the, the age groups that attend your shows are, are right from youngsters right through? Absolutely. I mean, I noticed that. I ask the question every night, who has seen us and who has not seen us? And you go back 20 years ago, 22 years ago, and the majority of the crowd were hands of people who had seen us before. Just a small portion of the crowd would raise their hands for those who have not seen us. Now it's 50-50. Yep. And, you know, that tells me all those, half of the crowd every night has not seen Striper. So there's a lot of new fans. I see a lot of young faces uh, wearing Striper t-shirts in the crowd, uh, teenagers that are coming to Striper shows. Why they want to see a bunch of old farts uh, in yellow and black, I have no idea. <laughs> I, I see it as such a great thing. When I was growing up, sometimes it was almost seen to be embarrassing to like the same music as your dad. But these days, this generation seems to really embrace that. And it, one of the things we've seen here in Australia over the last few years has been the rise of vinyl. There are so many youngsters out there, including my nieces and nephews, who are going out to old vinyl stores and buying secondhand vinyl and experiencing the 80s and the 90s like we did as well. So do you think that kind of vinyl revolution has helped um, with your fan base as well? A hundred percent, absolutely. Uh, vinyl, the surge of vinyl again, popularity of vinyl has really helped uh, and changed the music industry, and more so for the bands. You know, it, uh, people were not buying CDs, and it was all about uh, downloading or and or streaming, and still is. But people are buying vinyl, so it's it's generating income for the bands and uh, generating popularity for the bands. And it's really interesting because I think also this genre metal, it doesn't lose its coolness. Uh, you know, some genres do, some bands do, uh, but metal doesn't. It, it kind of stays cool forever, and I think that helps as well. It might go, come in cycles, come and go in cycles, like maybe next year. It might not be as popular as this style or what have you, but then in 10 years it comes back again, and all of a sudden this band is playing in arenas, and they were playing clubs a few years prior to that. Yep. Michael, like you've just mentioned, so much has changed in the music industry over the years. We've seen vinyl, CDs, through to um, downloading now. Um, 40 years ago, if someone had said to you that Striper would still be as strong in 2023 as they were back then, what would you have said to them? Well, I, I probably would have thought they were crazy, and or at the very minimum, I would have thought... Um, no, I don't agree with that. I, I, I you know, I, I, for some reason I had this, uh, this mindset of retiring young and, 
you know, we'll have a we'll have a lifespan, a shelf life of ten years, maybe fifteen, and then we'll all just kind of chill out and take it easy. You know, you kind of have these, these ideas that get obliterated and blown out of the water, and you realize, no, that's not how it is. Um, you know, we did go our separate ways in '92. I left the band. Uh, you know, everyone thought at the time that that was it for Striper. We wound up coming back and reforming the band in 2003. And, and here we are ever since 03, for the most part, still going and going stronger than ever, turning in our best music, I believe, um, in the history of the band, career of the band. And, you know, it's you, you just can't ever say never, never, ever say never. And we're still going. We can keep going until we're 75, 80 years old if we're still healthy, Lord willing. Definitely. Now, talking of your new music, The Final Battle came out last year, and it was an album that was really well received. Um, how many of those tracks can we expect to hear on your set list this time around? You know, I'm going to be honest with you, and I hope I don't bump people out, but we haven't even got to those songs yet. We're, um, we're doing a, a very lengthy set list of 21 songs, and we're mixing it up. Lots of classics, lots of new songs, but nothing from the brand new album yet. Yep. And there will be a time and a place for that uh, when we return, for sure. But we just haven't had the chance to get together and learn new material. We've been so busy, we haven't had the opportunity to breathe. And, you know, uh, it's, I can assure everyone of this, it's going to be a fantastic set. Everyone's going to love it. They're going to hear what they want to hear, and it's going to be a great time. Is it harder to put together that set list these days with so many classic tracks in there? Because y you could probably play for half a day and you still wouldn't get through all the songs that people would want to hear. Is it harder to put together that set list these days? It is. With each new album, it gets harder and harder. Uh, because, you know, we love the new material, sometimes even more than the old material. Just don't tell the fans that. Yep. But... Uh, like Yahweh, for example, you know, that's a staple in our set now, but it took a while for the fans to accept it. Um, we play it, and you'd see fans going to get a, a root beer or, or a bathroom break. And I'm like thinking, wow, this is one of our best songs, and, and you guys aren't interested in hearing it. And then, after, you know, persistence, sticking to our guns, we played it night after night, now it's fans expect to hear it and if they don't they get upset it's a staple and a classic a modern day classic so you know we love the new material and we try to inch it in slowly but surely but you got to be careful because they still want to hear and always will want to hear tell of the devil calling on you free uh, eating god we trust uh, you know soldiers under command all those classics Definitely, definitely. Now, I noticed on your tour schedule that you've got a little bit of a break in the middle of the tour. Um, what do you guys like to do when you have a break like that on tour? Do you do you rest? Do you get out and explore the city that you're in? What do you like to do? We usually like to go out and explore the city that we're in, uh, unless we're not feeling well or we're really exhausted or under the weather. We'll rest and stay in. But usually, we're very active guys. We like to get out and sightsee, uh, go eat at, at the best restaurant in town, and, and just try and experience new things. Yeah. Uh, that's what it's all about, because it's a, a moment in time that you'll never get back. 
and we're building memories and we like to make them special. Definitely. Well, you, you've got your break in this in my home city, and we've been described recently as having some of the best restaurants in the world in Melbourne. So there's plenty there for you to explore. Well, you know what? I can't wait. And uh, every time we go to Melbourne, their food is off the off the chain. So it's just fantastic. And and even more importantly, the coffee is is amazing it's like you can't get a bad cup of coffee there and we we all love love our coffee so i can't wait to get there and eat some good food and drink some good coffee yeah michael how does it feel being back on the road after we mentioned in the intro the pandemic in the middle there what's it been like being back out on the road and what was that time like for you not being on the road because that would have been a pretty rare experience for you it is. It's scary, you know, because it's the unknown. You don't know what tomorrow will bring. I mean, we don't know anyway. But when you're in a pandemic and you're a musical artist that can't tour any longer, literally it's dead and everything comes to a screeching halt, that's pretty scary. Uh, and, you know, you find ways around it. You get creative real fast. And we did. Um, we did some other projects. We recorded some projects. We uh, did some live sessions at Spirit House, and we found ways to make it work. And you know, you can never stop. You got to keep moving. Yeah. Uh, and don't let anyone or anything tell you you got to stop because it's just not true. What was that first show like back for you, back from the pandemic? Because I've spoken to some bands who had got themselves into a really bad headspace during that time and had told themselves that live music was going to be a thing of the past. What was that first show back out on the stage like for you after the pandemic? Definitely a bit nerve-wracking because all you had all those subconscious thoughts going through your head, insecurities, like, can I do this? Am I going to get through this? I've been off for so long. Oh, my gosh, how's this going to go? Are they going to like it? Am I going to like it? You know, all those thoughts. Yeah. Uh, and I think any artist that's a perfectionist and strives for perfection is going to have those thoughts. I have them every night. But that night in particular was far worse than any other. Yeah. For, for young musicians out there, Michael, how do you get through that? Because I, I know that um, there's a lot of musicians out there that get very, very nervous before shows. How do you get through that nervousness every night? I, you know, I, I'm not going to lie. I could, and I, and I don't lie. I, 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 you know, I'm very proud of that fact. I, I, I'm, I don't like liars. So I got to be honest. Um I would say to them, you may not get through it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't. I, I Every single night, I have nerves. Uh, they get the best of me often, where I go out and I'm not able to perform at my best because of my nerves, uh, or sing at my best because of my nerves, and I kick myself later. Uh, but, you know, there's not much you can do about it. You just work through it. Uh, you overcome it by going out and doing it. You know, just as long as you're out there performing and you're doing it, you're winning. You know, don't sell your gear and give up because you're too nervous to do so. Um, just keep moving. And that's what I've done my whole life. My personality is very private, very reserved, very shy, believe it or not. And I have, I've had to overcome that my entire life. Yep. 
Well, Michael, we are running right out of time, and I want to thank you so much for being so honest on our show. It's been an absolute privilege having you on the show. And to finish off, um, what would you like to say to all of your fans out there before Striper hits Australia very, very soon? Well, I would just like to say thank you so much for standing with us and by us for almost 40 years, and we, we wouldn't be here without you. We couldn't do this without you. It's as simple as that. And we're eternally grateful that you allow us the opportunity to do what we do.